Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, Pastor Taylor wanted me to continue in a series of evangelism. And so um, we are, so because I was charged with that, I'm going to follow through. And my title seems so academic. It says a comparative analysis, uh, Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman uh, reaching out to the unsaved. It is not academic at all. <laughs> I just like the way it sounded, so I was going. <laughs> so I was like, "This sounds really important and serious," and it's not. So, uh, nevertheless, um, we do have some scriptures to get through, so I'm going to jump right in. So we're going to be looking at John three and John four, and I know you guys had a guest visitor last Sunday, and on this series of evangelism, we'll be talking about reaching um, people who are lost and. The unlost, I guess, the the saints and the ain'ts, those who are committed and those who are not uh, committed or maybe on the fence and and pondering some things and what we can do to challenge them to come to Christ. Um, So we're going to look at Nicodemus and what Jesus did. And and so I thought in in giving this charge, I was like, well, who is the best person to look at who who evangelize? And of course, Jesus is. You know, so we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to look at these two individuals, Nicodemus and, and the Samaritan woman uh, specifically, and what he did in each individual case. Uh, we're going to and we're going to go through quickly because there's a uh, I I am I feel like I need to read both of these passages of scripture. So it's like two messages. So uh, it's John three, one through 17 is about Nicodemus and John four, one through 24 it's about the Samaritan woman. That's a lot of scripture to get through. So we're going to jump in and we're going to start with Nicodemus and then we're going to jump into the Samaritan woman. Uh, so starting at verse uh, chapter three of John one through 17 says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So he was a Pharisee, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, that's important. He came by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs. But. Uh, that you do unless it is with him, unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, and this is the first time Jesus introduces the idea of being born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So Nicodemus, thinking about being born again, says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and, and, and be born? And so Nicodemus is like confused, like, what do you mean by this idea of being born again? And uh, I came to you by night to get answers, and now I'm even more confused when I originally came. And Jesus answered and said, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, verse 6, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, what, that I said to you, you must be born again. Uh, some, some versions say born from above, but we're going to go with born again because that's what I have in my message. <laughs> uh, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus and answer and said to him, how can these things be? He, he's trying to get understanding. And Jesus answered and said to you, are you the teacher of Israel? I mean, Jesus has been a little sarcastic. That's where I get it from. 
and do not <laughs> and do not know these things? Is there, are you not a teacher and you don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, I'm not. I'm not saying Jesus was being sarcastic, but um, <laughs> uh, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what I, uh, we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. He's saying to Nicodemus, you haven't received this. Uh, and specifically, specifically to Nicodemus, but uh, corporately to the Pharisees, you haven't received our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then a famous scripture in verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So here we have, that's the story of Nicodemus. And there's a lot to unpack there. and We're going to get to it, I assure you. But we now must jump to the Samaritan woman. Uh, and there are a couple of scriptures, so we're going to go through verse 1 through 24. Uh, well, well, yeah, we'll go through verse 1 through 24 uh, about the Samaritan woman. And this is just in the next chapter of John, chapter 4. Uh, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did, he left Judea and departed in, again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, Samaria, which is called Shekar, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So m- many uh, theologians say that it was around noon when this happened. So a woman, uh, and this, is, this happened at noon. It makes sense because this woman probably wouldn't want to go to the well when there were a lot of people. So she would go in the middle of the day when it was hot and most people would not want to be uh, trying to get water out of the well. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, uh, verse 7, and Jesus said to her, Give me drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from, a, from me, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman? For Jesus have no de- for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, and we've heard about this before. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and uh, and Jews didn't like the Samaritans, and so they had uh, historical angst against one another. And so she was bringing up that history. And Jesus answered and said to her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water." So Jesus is pointing out a truth about himself to her. That she's unaware of. The woman said to him, Sir, have you nothing to draw with? And the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? So she was thinking something about the physical water, and he's talking about something spiritual here. Are you greater than, the, than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, as well as his sons and his livestock? Uh, so Jesus could have corrected her and said, yeah, I am greater than Jacob. I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'm the son of God. But he didn't. He wants he stays focused and said, Jesus is answering and said to whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, 
give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Uh, and Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And uh, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and one whom you now have is not your husband and that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet because he was speaking truth to her. And he said, our fathers worship on this mountain and, the, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. So Jesus speaks truth to her. And so now she be, brings up an, uh, a, theological, a theological argument about where the Jews and the Samaritans worship. And Jesus has been focused on the bigger picture. Says Jesus said to her, woman, I believe me, the hour has come. And he answered her question and corrects her. But and he goes on to a bigger situation. In verse 21 says, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour has come when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is for the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 28. And the woman then left her water pot, went her went way to the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came then they went out of the city and came to see him. And we're going to jump down to verse 39. And many Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his words. Then, for, verse 42, it says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. All right. There's a lot of scriptures to get through. Uh, but this is our comparative analysis of <laughs> Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. Uh, so, in general, Jesus reached many people. <clears throat> Uh, in nine cases, Jesus initiated the conversation when he was talking about we were talking about evangelism. So there are nine documented cases in the Bible where actually Jesus initiate the conversation to witness the individual. Uh, the Samaritan woman being one, the crippled beggar being another. Uh, there are 25 instances where other people initiated the conversation with Jesus. So there are more people asking Jesus questions than Jesus actually going out and initiating the conversation. But he's open to both. Uh, the rich young ruler, the demon-possessed man, Jairus, uh, synagogue ruler, the woman with the issue of blood. Those people came to Jesus wanting help, needing help. So they initiated this meeting with Jesus. And then there are also some uh, situations where there were third parties involved. Uh, the tax collector and other sinners invited, uh, were invited to a party by Matthew. Herod was introduced by Pilate. Uh, Nathaniel was invited by Philip. The adulterous woman were brought by the scribes. So those individuals didn't ask to meet with Jesus, <laughs> but they were invited by someone else, and they just happened to meet with Jesus, and their lives would change. So these are interactions that uh, most interactions took place while they were work or in doing their regular day-to-day jobs, you know, going about their day. So these are not specific inter, 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 
actions that were purposeful. Maybe Jesus purposed it, but they didn't. See, uh, some of them did. They were just going about their day. You know, this woman was just going to get water. Uh, she didn't know Jesus was going to be up there. Uh, few settings were in. Most of the settings were in. Uh, some were in homes. A few settings were in religious situ- uh, settings, such as a gathering where Jesus was. So you could say that was a quasi church or a meeting. Uh, Jesus was always ready, no matter the place or time. He seldom pressed for closure or decision, but rather allowed ideas to simmer and people to own them before they acted on them. So Jesus didn't press people to follow him. (laughs) He didn't say, hey, you need to do this. He just gave them a situation, uh, did what he needed to do, and it was up to them. You know, he didn't say, hey, I need a decision from you. Uh, And we'll we'll look at uh, Nicodemus later because, as you read in that story, the ending of the Samaritan woman is very different from the ending, or is there an ending to Nicodemus' story? Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Jesus was interested in establishing common ground and building on that. So let's look at Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. These are two very different individuals, uh, but in the end, they needed Jesus. Uh, so obviously, one's a man. Well, maybe, not, maybe not obvious, but one is a Samaritan woman is a woman, <laughs> given the name Samaritan woman. Um, <laughs> Nicodemus is a Jew. Uh, the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan. And, and of course, we, we are, some of you may be familiar with that history that uh, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like one another. The Samaritans uh, had Jews who was uh, over the northern kingdom of Jerusalem and uh, exiled the Jews, but kept some Jews and intermarried with many Jews. Uh, so Tamar- Samaritans were seen as a mixed race or mixed ethnic, mixed ethnicity. And they believed they had pagan religions. And what they did was they adopted pagan beliefs into biblical beliefs. So, you know, on the surface, they may look like they were Christians. But when you dug a little bit deeper, they had some pagan beliefs uh, intermingled. And so the Jews did not like that whatsoever. Uh, Nicodemus was educated. Uh, This woman was probably not educated. Uh, Nicodemus was a leader among his people. This woman was disrespected among her people. Uh, Nicodemus considered himself morally upright and proud of it because he was a Pharisee, a religious leader. Uh, This woman was immoral and ashamed of her past. Uh, Nicodemus recognized Jesus. He specifically went about to have a meeting with Jesus. The Samaritan woman did not know who Jesus was. (laughs) She didn't know him from Adam. (laughs) And so it was a chance meeting to her in that specific place. Uh, Nicodemus sought out Jesus. Jesus sought out the woman. Uh, Nicodemus is considered a wealthy individual. This woman is probably not wealthy. Uh, uh, Nicodemus shares the same ethnicity as Jesus, whereas the Samaritan woman is obviously um, a different ethnicity. Uh, And Nicodemus shares a similar culture as Jesus, whereas the Samaritan woman shares a different culture uh, that includes pagans uh, from Jesus. So just in that alone, (laughs) if we don't go any further, you see that Jesus is willing to talk to, and we can look at anyone in between, (laughs) the Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, that Jesus is willing to to talk to anyone. And in these individuals, they both, what they shared in common is that they needed Jesus. So what I gleaned from that is that I can't put my own biases and lenses on that say 
this person isn't deserving or this person has done this or this person has too much money or this person doesn't have enough or they don't fit this look or this whatever that I need to feel comfortable in witnessing to them or sharing the gospel. Jesus said, no, everyone needs to hear the gospel. The rich, the poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. They need me. They need to believe that there is a living water. There's everlasting life. And they need to know that. And So I can't put on my own little discriminatory factors that come into play as to whether I share the good news of the gospel with anyone. Cross ethnicities, cross cultural, um, cross uh, uh, economics, it doesn't matter. People need Jesus. And we have to be open to the opportunity to share Jesus with individuals when we come across when we come across them. So what can we learn from Jesus' approach to these two individuals? Just these two individuals. Uh, we can, there's three things we can learn. One, be accessible and be approachable. Be accessible and be approachable. So one, Jesus being Jesus, busy, I'm sure he's out healing and raising the dead and doing all manner of miracles. But Nicodemus needed to meet with Jesus because he was pondering some questions in his heart. He needed to know whether this Jesus is real, real, is really real. And so he went by night to meet with Jesus and Jesus was willing to meet with him on his terms. And why would you say that? Why is it important that, that a Nicodemus goes by night? Because Nicodemus is a Pharisee and the Pharisees don't have anything to do with Jesus. They don't like that Jesus is coming and disrupting their system. But Nicodemus sees that there's some truth in this. He's pondering in his heart, ah, oh, man, I know that I'm a Pharisee and I was taught a certain way, but I see this Jesus and he's answering my questions and I know that God has to be with him for him to be able to do these miracles. I need to get some clarity And so I want to go by night so that others don't see me, so that my friends don't see me, which is fine. Jesus meets him at night. They didn't say Jesus said, no, I'm not meeting you at night. You need to come during the day like everybody else. And my office hours are from eight to five. Uh, If you are ashamed, then I'm not meeting with you. Jesus didn't blast him. (laughs) That's not what he said. He said, if this is where you are, Nicodemus, I'm going to meet you where you are. And if you need to sneak in on the shield of night because your boys may see you and they may kill you for following me, I'm going to meet you there. That's good news, y'all. That's good news. Knowing that Jesus, no matter what your situation is, where you're coming from, is willing to meet you where you are. That is the Jesus we serve. (laughs) That is the Jesus we serve. So, Jesus is accessible. Nicodemus came seeking Jesus and was able to meet with him. And that's in John 3, 2. And then the Samaritan woman. So he's accessible and he's approachable. Jesus engaged the Samaritan woman and was approachable. Challenging cultural norms of that day. He challenged the cultural norms of that day. So what was supposed to happen was Jesus being a Jew did not speak to the Samaritan woman whatsoever. 
And that would have been culturally acceptable because that's what everyone did. We don't have anything to do with them. We're not talking to them. I'll get my own water. I'll wait for somebody else to come and get me some water. But I won't talk to this Samaritan woman. That was culturally accepted. But Jesus challenged the cultural norms of that day. Now, what are some, and I'm not going to list any of them because there's so many. What are some cultural norms in your workplace, in your communities that you need to challenge? Who are the people who are not, who are ostracized, who are not being spoken to, who are not being witnessed to, who are seen as othered by your community? And you must challenge that cultural norm to say, I have Jesus and they need it. Everyone thinks it's okay not to speak to this person. And you know how, you, culturally, specifically at work, you know, there's individuals that are considered a little strange by your work coworkers, and everyone is okay with picking on this coworker or, or identify them as a little bit special attached or whatever the case may be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so you kind of join in the bandwagon, and you don't engage that coworker because everyone else feels like it's okay not to engage this coworker because they have their issues. But let's challenge that cultural norm at your workplace and say, hey, look, I have, I'm supposed to have, (laughs) this Jesus living in me, and I need to witness to this individual. I have to defy the cultural norms of my workplace and go talk to this, this woman or man or this person that has a scowl on their face that's not approachable. And I don't want to be the person that's not approachable. I have this mean look on my face. I think sometimes um, I, I realize a lost opportunity. I go work out at the gym sometimes, and I always have my earbuds in. I'm listening to music. And recently I said, man, this is such a lost opportunity. And everyone, I'm not the only one, everyone in the gym has earbuds on and is listening to music. So no one is engaging one another. And it's an opportunity where you're there for you know, at least 45 minutes, an hour, maybe longer. And it's an opportunity to really engage other people. But I have these in, and I'm listening to the gospel music, <laughs> living my gospel life, and not, showing, and not sharing the gospel with individuals around me, or not being a light to these individuals. Uh, so I have a challenge myself to take these out, put these down, and really take an opportunity to engage people. And you will be surprised. <laughs> How much workout you will not gun to get done <laughs> because people are wanting to be engaged. People are wanting to have conversations. People are wanting to talk with you and share with you their life story. And you being able, you having the gospel are able to share and, and shed light. Um, and, I, and I'm amazed sometimes at what people are willing to share with you and how they're willing to accept truth. And many of them say, yeah, I know you're right. I shouldn't be doing this. Or, you know, you're right. I shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, pray for me and pray with them or whatever the case may be. Let's be approachable and let's be accessible. Um, so that's number one, Pro- accessible and approach. Be accessible and approachable. Uh, number two, know your audience. Jesus schools Nicodemus on being born again or being born from above, John 3, 5 through 10. And that's when I said Jesus answered with a little sarcasm because he was like, aren't you a teacher? And so Jesus knew Nicodemus and knew that he was a teacher, knew he was a Pharisee, and knew he was an educated individual. And so he could go there with Nicodemus with being born again. 
and go into a deep dive on what it means to be born again and what that looks like. And he, he could do that with Nicodemus. On the other hand, with the Samaritan woman, he did not do that with her. He did, he could, there were several times where he could have went into details about how he was greater than Jacob or what the Jews, what, what the Jews were according to uh, their place of worship versus what the Samaritans were. But he, he kind of hit those subjects and went to the bigger picture, which is, I'm not doing a deep dive with this Samaritan woman. She's not a theologian. I'm not here to debate with her. I'm not here to go into these, these deeper issues. No, I know my audience. And I know that this guy can, do, can take that because that's what he came for. He wanted answers. He, he had questions. And so you can go there with this individual. With this individual, they don't have, they, they needed light. <laughs> they just needed to know that they, they could be saved, that they could be forgiven. And they didn't need to know the ins and outs of baptism uh, or whatever the case may be. They didn't need that. They needed a message from Jesus. That's what she needed at that time. And she didn't even know she needed it. But that's what Jesus was willing to give her. So know your audience. Know when it is important to challenge individuals and, and a- answer the questions and even go deeper and go to the scripture. But then also know when it's important to say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. That's not important right now. Whether you wear earrings or a dress or, you know, you know how we can get up on, caught up on some stuff. Whether you speak in tongues or not. I, hey, is your heart right with Jesus? <laughs> Are you willing to live for him and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Let him, let the Holy Spirit change your mind on these other issues. I'm not here to do that. Uh, But I'm here to just point you into his direction. Let's get there and then let him deal with the rest of it. Because we could bring up some baggage of how I was raised. I was raised apostolic or I was raised Baptist or I was baptized when I was two by the priest and the Catholic Church. And, you know, oh, come on. Just know Jesus. <laughs> That's the main thing. So be accessible, approachable, know your audience. And then the third thing is keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, John 3.16 and John 4.26 is the main thing. Is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that was the main thing for Nicodemus. And the main thing... And for the Samaritan woman was John 4:26 says Jesus said to her I am who speak to you I who speak to you am he so Jesus uh, the, the Samaritan woman asked are you the Messiah and she he says I am the Messiah I am the one who speaks to you I'm I'm the one you you're talking about and at that point for both Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman they had a choice do I believe what Jesus says do I believe what Jesus says? Christ is the main thing for Nicodemus and the woman at the well. Do I believe? The main issue for every person, every person must consider is the question that Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, 15. It says, but who do you say I am? And that is a question unbelievers must ask themselves. Who do I say? And we must ask ourselves, who do we say Jesus is? Do we believe who he is. Do we believe him to be faithful? Do we believe him to be a healer? Do we, do we believe him to be a deliverer? Do we believe Jesus? And when you answer that, we know that he can provide a new birth uh, 
or this well or fountain of water springing up into eternal life. So what happens next? So, so we've done our part. We were accessible, approachable. We, know, we knew our audience, and we kept the main thing the main thing, right? We've done our part. We, we witnessed. We shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. We shared our testimony or whatever it may be, and that was it. So what happens next? So, in the, so again, we talked about this. I mentioned this earlier. These two stories end differently because immediately the Samaritan woman takes hold of what Jesus said. Immediately she goes and evangelizes. She's yet but two minutes saved. <laughs> and she goes to the village and to evangelize to those people and said, look, there is a man who told me all about myself. She didn't know any theological debates. She couldn't tell you the ins and outs of water baptism or spiritual baptism or speaking in tongues. She couldn't tell you any of that. What she had was her testimony. I encountered a man while going to get some water, and he changed my life. Let me tell you what he did for me. And that appeared to be enough. (laughs) Because half the village came with this woman, who they knew was not a morally upright woman, And for her to be out saying, hey, look, there is a man. I met Jesus at the mountain, at the well. Come see. And for them to be compelled to come see this Jesus that she spoke of. Saved half her village. On the other hand, Nicodemus, well, we love to ponder what happened to Nicodemus. Because you you can read and uh, John 3, we don't have an idea. It kind of ends. Jesus is talking about uh, being born and uh, the light being the truth and not, being, not, condemn, not coming to condemn, but coming to uh, bring life and light. And that's it. Then we go on to chapter 3. And we, we assumingly don't know a lot more about Nicodemus. But Nicodemus appears at least two more times uh, in the Bible. So we see Nicodemus in John 7, 50 through 51. I'm going to start at verse 45. Um, this is when Jesus was taken, into, taken up to the Pharisees or the chief priests, and they were going to convict him of something. Uh, in verse 45, said, The officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke th- like this man. Then the Pharisees answered him and said, Are you deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed him? So, so what they're doing is they, the people, the Jews, have brought Jesus up and wanted to charge him and say, hey, look, you guys need to get this man. He's out here blasting him and saying he's the son of God and doing these miracles. We need to do something with him. And the Pharisees, the answer said, those people are deceived. No Pharisees believe what he's believed. So then, you know, this is what Nicodemus is in that crowd. And I'm sure he's thinking, well, I kind of believe what he believed, but I'm not going to say a whole lot. <laughs> Have any of the rules of the Pharisees believed, but this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. So he's saying this crowd is cursed because they are believing Jesus. So Nicodemus, being uh, the on-defense, lukewarm Christian that he is, maybe still having some questions, but sticks himself out a little bit, says Nicodemus, he who, who, and it says here in 50, it said, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, 
being one of them, being one of them, the Pharisees, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him or knows what he is doing? So in a sense, he's trying to save Jesus from being persecuted by, and so he said, hey, look, we can't do anything before we hear from him or hear what the charge is. Uh, and so these people say, they answered and said, are you also from Galilee? And are you one of his as well? And I'm sure in the back of Nicodemus's mind, said, please don't find me out right now. Um, Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of the Galilee. So there is where Nicodemus where he came at night, and initially in John 3 and in John 7, he kind of sticks his neck out and saves Jesus from being uh, persecuted right at that time because he said, hey, look, you know, we can't judge him because uh, we hadn't heard from him and we don't know what he's doing. And lastly, we see Nicodemus in John 19. So some time has passed. And so Nicodemus in John 19, 38 through 40 says, After this, Joseph or Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. So here he was, a secret disciple of Jesus as well. Didn't want to get beat up by his boys for fear of the Jews. Uh, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So at this point, uh, Joseph is like, well, you know, let me go publicly kind of announce that I'm with Jesus and I'm going to take his body uh, and ask for permission to do that. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And look who's on the scene, Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and all and aloes, about 100 pounds. So that's a lot for that moment. So that's why we assume that Nicodemus was fairly wealthy. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in stripes of linen, strips of linen, and with spices, as the custom of the Jews to bury. Nicodemus seemed to sit with the decision longer than the Samaritan woman. Jesus didn't judge Nicodemus harshly or try to force him to make a decision at that initial meeting, but simply planted the seed needed to move Nicodemus to fully and accepted Jesus publicly, which he does in John 19. Ultimately, we must be grateful to just plant the seed. We're not here to force people, to propel people, to scare people, to, you know, hey, you got to do this right now. But we must plant the seed. Unapologetically, without bias, without prejudice or opinion, share the gospel. And in doing so, let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let us step out of it. If Jesus, being Jesus, <laughs> couldn't get a definitive answer from Nicodemus at the initial meeting, how much more should we say, hey, I'm going to be okay with planting the seeds? I'm okay with planting the seed. Jesus is okay with planting the seed. I'm okay with planting the seed. Sometimes you get a Samaritan woman <laughs> who takes hold of what you said right away and is on fire and goes out and evangelizes, that's great. That's not the norm. That's wonderful. Uh, but a lot of times you get a Nicodemus who has some idea of Christianity, who knows Jesus, who grew up in church, may have some questions, may have a lack of understanding. And it's important for you to be able to share and let that and, and be accessible so they can come and ask you questions. And then they may go. You may not see them for, you know, a couple of months. 
maybe a couple of years. Who knows? And then they, they come back and say, hey, look, I still got a few questions I got. I, don't have, I, have, I see this going on in church, and I don't understand this, and this happens here, and this pastor got called up here. What, what does this mean? And you've been accessible. You're preaching the gospel. You don't get caught up in the details of the scandal. <laughs> but let's, preach, let's, let's take the opportunity to preach the gospel. Take the opportunity to share the gospel without bias, prejudice, or opinion. Uh, we're going to, so lastly in closing, we're going to be accessible and approachable. We're going to know our audience. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And when in doing that, we're going to be satisfied with planting seeds. Uh, whether we get a Nicodemus or a Samaritan woman, we know that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, and that Christ is glorified. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.